What's up, everything? Welcome back to the Two Guys No Cup podcast. We have an exciting show scheduled for you today uh, with a live report from Ian Peters, who is a season ticket holder and was able to attend the event they held for such rich and successful people earlier this week. Uh, The Blues team doctors are off to a hot start to the season, which is not good for anybody. And we have two preseason games to talk about, as well as some NHL news. So with that on the schedule, let's get started. And let's go blues. everybody welcome back uh thank you for joining us on the two guys no cup podcast i'm here today as always with ian peters how are you doing today ian i'm doing pretty well how about yourself or tonight, tonight i guess i've been i've been okay i've had a, a bit of a hectic week i got like four hours sleep last night and you two canceled a show on me earlier this week, so it's been it's been <laughs> rough, but I'm doing okay. I was like, I I'm a con- I enjoy concerts, but I get like weirdly hyped for them and also anxious to get them over with at the same time because I hate doing things like anything. <laughs> so this cancellation, they were supposed to come to town, as I'm sure local people know, and they got canceled because of the protests that have been happening in St. Louis, which is fine. Like, I understand why they did it. But it was a weird thing of like, oh, sweet, my evening just opened up. <laughs> but also, I've been listening to Joshua Tree nonstop for like seven months. So if you could like make me unlisten to that, that'd be great. <laughs> I could just get those back. Like, I was like, there was a very petty part of me that's like, whatever, Octune Baby's a better album anyway so shut up i don't need you, you <laughs> gotcha <know>? you too <laughs> so it's been a weird week i've cut my hand twice at work and been applying for other jobs so but other than that i'm doing well um you didn't have any concerts canceled on you you weren't going uh, to ed sheeran or apocalyptica uh, so that was wait apocalyptica canceled yeah they canceled too at one point oh i'd be pissed but billy joel happened tonight and got protested like crazy billy so, joel's hard yeah he's hard as hell you well, know, he's Rich white people music. So <laughs> I guess that care. makes sense in a way. Uh, how are your, your grandparents all moved out and into their new place? We talked about that last week. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> mostly kind of. We moved out all the small stuff this past okay. weekend, so they're having moving people come. I guess this Saturday, moving them out. I'll still own the house because it hasn't sold yet, but uh, yeah, they'll be out of there. It's kind of weird, but yeah. Sad to see the house go, but good to have them in better situations. Yeah, yeah. Our podcast tonight is brought to us by Shock Top in the sense that whatever goofiness ensues will be <laughs> Shock, Shock Top's responsibility and liability. So if you're maimed by tonight's show, you can sue them personally, I guess. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how long works. That's work, not true. So, yeah. I know nothing about judicial precedents in that case. <laughs> but uh, let's get started talking about... Some of the news, some of the NHL news, as we typically start with, uh, the Nashville Predators, I did not write down their full name, so I forgot it for a second. <laughs> the Nashville Predators uh, pulled a very St. Louis maneuver, signing a young core defenseman as their captain. Not signing him, he always already signed. But they've uh, appointed Roman Yossi as, I think, like the third captain in team history. Oh, boy. I guess somebody was captain before Shea Weber, but I wouldn't know who it was. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> Roman Yossi uh, has been made their captain. Fine. Kind of boring, I guess. I don't know. I, I I was pulling for P.K. Subban just as kind of a middle finger to Mark Bergevin, but it's it's fine, I guess. What do you think? It's Yeah, it's just boring, but mm-hmm. I, that's nothing to really complain about. Roman Yossi doesn't feel like he's been there that long. I mean, I know they drafted him, brought him up through the system, but maybe it's just because he was behind mm-hmm. Shea Weber. So, or I guess he played with them. But, yeah, that's that's just weird. I just forget that Fisher retired. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Was yeah. It David Legwand? Was he a he captain? Was, uh, we're going to talk about that in a second. He was not, but it's pretty gross. Um, <laughs> he was, uh, yeah, Fisher was captain for a year. I guess that was kind of a 
like a sympathy. I'm not a sympathy thing, but like a thanks for thanks for being mm-hmm. here all this time. And Fisher could have been captain the whole time. Weber was captain. It's just that Weber was. Um, and I'm curious, and I don't think this is the case because you could always just wait or do it anyway. But I'm kind of curious if the injury to Ryan Ellis changed this at all, because he would have been probably what I assumed would have been their captain, and they went with. Uh, Roman Yossi instead, but maybe it's that Swiss pensions for neutrality that was <laughs> they able want to cooler heads. To <laughs> yeah, prevail. cooler heads exactly. So the team captains in uh, Nashville, there have been. Uh, let me count this carefully: seven of them. Really? And if you can name all seven, I will buy you a BMW. <laughs> <laughs> they were Tom Fitzgerald. For four years, no idea who that was. Greg Johnson, probably knew who that was, but the name's too boring to remember. <laughs> Kimo Timonen for okay. one season. Jason Arnott for oh. three seasons. Then Shea Weber from 2010 to 2016, Mike Fisher, and Roman Yossi. So, not a not a sterling start, but I guess every team has to have a captain at some point. <laughs> so, um, by the way, who's Las Vegas' captain now? Not now that it's not who it rightfully should be. Do they have a captain? Did they not name one yet? I not that Oh, I'm they aware never of. drafted Lee Stemniak. Well, yeah, so they they're just waiting. We have so- talked about Lee Stemniak being their captain for so long that I honestly forgot they didn't even draft him. Uh, yes, so that was a long-running joke with us, was that Lee Stemniak was the person, perfect person to be their inaugural captain, and it doesn't look like they have one. So There's a few there teams that don't. I know Toronto didn't We did year. that. No, we didn't. Uh, there was a year where I think we talked about doing that or something after Brewer left. Or, no, we traded oh, really? Brewer, and then we didn't appoint oh, a new yeah, one for until like the, the next year. Oh, yeah, for like a couple months. Yeah, so... Uh, that's done. There have been several signings, actually, in the last couple of weeks. Not signings, but extensions that are interesting to talk about. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have inked two more extensions with Miko Koivu, which is the big one, for two years at $5.5 million. He's 34 years old. He's their captain. He's brilliant at the face-off circle. He's a fine player and... This is fine. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't and that's know. Yeah. It for that fan. Two years, pay him whatever you want. Uh, they also extended Marcus Felino, who they got in the deal for uh, sending Jason Palmonville back to Buffalo, uh, for four years at $2.9 million, which is a positively Carl Gunnarssonian contract. <laughs> um, this is also fine, I guess. I'm a little surprised that they're committing this much to a guy that they just added, but he's a. Uh, He's a little guy with gumption, as Peng loves to say. So now that Sabotka's back mm-hmm. and Marcus Foligno plays in the division, we're going to hear that like six times a night. Oh, yeah. Um, which I keep forgetting Sabotka's back. But do you have comments on either of those signings? Uh, I was a little surprised with the Foligno just because they just got him, like you said. Yeah. It seems a little odd. Maybe they see some sort of gap that they need to fill between... You know, younger guys and who they have currently, and they're like, "Well, you'll do." Yeah, <laughs> you're <laughs> is it, fine. Is that what they say when they meet him for the contract? You'll do. Um, <laughs> Replacement for that guy whose name's escaping me that they lost to uh, Las Vegas. Oh yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> it's not uh, Jason Zucker. No, it's that other guy, Howla, Matt Howla. Howla. Which probably actually does profile to be a pretty similar player. I suppose, yeah. They need someone to fill in that spot for a while. But the four years seem kind of weird. I don't know how old Felino is. 26. Okay, so I guess it's not that It's not that bad. Yeah, it seemed kind of odd for someone that hasn't played for them. Yeah, I don't know. And it's not like a free agent signing, so it's a little weird. Like if I mean, if you just signed a guy four years, 2.9 mm-hmm. as a free agent, it's a little less weird. But since you traded for him and extended him, it's probably fine. It's low <laughs> risk. But I could yeah. see this being the kind of deal like Carl Gunnarsson where wild fans are just unreasonably upset about it. Sorry about that <laughs> for the upcoming years. Um, I always forget to mute something. This time it was the computer. Uh, so, yeah, so he's signed, but and Koivu's signed, which is fine. A lot of signings in our division, actually, because the Colorado Avalanche finally, and I wrote <laughs> finally in big capital letters, uh, re-signed Nikita Zadorov, who is 22 years old, for two years at $2.15 million. Uh, this is just... 
it's just Joe Sackick's incompetence to me as a general manager. I think it's evidence of that. I don't want to pick on Joe Sackick. He was obviously an incredibly good hockey player, but Zadorov is a young defenseman who the Avalanche have no defenseman. They have no defenseman. It's like this is number four for yeah. them that they've signed. He um, is a great young player. He's Russian. He came over in the uh, Ryan O'Reilly trade. I talked to our Avs correspondent, if you will, uh, Jordan, and he told me he's, he's 22, he's massive, and he hits like a truck. And he said he projects as a great second-pairing shutdown guy, but he hasn't shown the offensive potential that he showed in the juniors. Uh, but, you know, this is a guy that they look at as kind of the the only saving grace of the O'Reilly deal, which is looking real bad for them right Yikes. now. And you sign him for two years, $2.15 million. Why did this take so long? There's no risk in that. Like... Sign him for two years at two point five million. It doesn't like I don't know. It's frustrating to me because since he's Russian, there was always talk of like he'd even say like I love Colorado and I want to stay here, but I'm not going to be like dragged around by these people, you know. And I don't understand like if there had been a long holdout with Vladimir Tarasenko, I get it. I would get it. I wouldn't want it, but I would get it because you can say well. There's a lot, you're investing a lot on this guy. You got to get it right. Two years, two point one five million dollars for a team that's in the tank and probably has tons of salary cap space. I just I don't understand it at all. I think we're trying to understand too much about the Avalanche when they're just a team yeah. that makes <laughs> makes no sense. Sackick just has to go. Um, I mean, this is all that said. This is a great signing. Finally, mm-hmm. the only the only complaint is why hasn't it happened sooner. <laughs> Um, so he's signed. He's back in an Avs uniform. The Winnipeg Jets signed Brian Little, who's 29 years old, for six years, $5.3 million. Is he currently their captain, or is that No, Buff- I think that's Wheeler. Wheeler. I think yes. it's Wheeler. Yes, you're right. It is Blake Wheeler. Uh, he had 47 points last year and 42 the year before in uh, 59 and 57 game seasons, respectively. So he's had, he played 70 before that. He's had a lot of injury troubles, mm-hmm. it looks like. I'm assuming that's why I missed that much has time. He, has he played for them since they were the Thrashers? Yes, he's been he there has. a while. He's been there since 2007. He's never played for another team. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, he's it's he's got a really good faceoff percentage 55.6. Not a high. Total number? I mean, six six tens a lot, but it's not top of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I I always I always feel like I'm criticizing center signings when I <laughs> would you be desperate centers. for us to sign a center. It does seem like a stretch on a guy that can't stay healthy or hasn't shown that he can stay healthy recently. How much is it? Five point one. Five point three for six years, which is more the thing that I'm worried about. Six I think seems long. Five point three is fine. The six is the thing that feels like this is a stretch. The good news is, uh, Shovel Dayoff doesn't trade anybody, so he doesn't <laughs> have to worry forever. about different contracts. Um, I think it looks good for your second line, your second line center. Yeah. I think he could even slot in the third line as he gets older, and they already have uh, Shifley above him. Mm-hmm. But like you said, yeah. Never sure how to pronounce that I think name. it's Shifley. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a, an injury thing. It kind of reminds me of a Steen thing where like, this guy's fine, but if he's going to be as injured as he has been, then you kind of go, eh, yeah. this seems like a lot of money. Six years is, that's really where my problem is. 5-3 is fine if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. It's probably great. I mean, it's good if he's healthy. It's not like a steal even mm-hmm. if he's healthy. But six years seems like, I don't know how this is going to feel in 2000. <laughs> I don't even know what is what that is, 22, you know? If you're a Jets fan, every year's going to be like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this team. <laughs> <laughs> and as you were saying earlier, we, we seem to be picking on the Jets a lot, and they're a team that swept us in the season series last year, so uh, <laughs> we should know better. We were at a game, the, actually the only game we went to together last year, I think, which the Jets beat us in overtime, and it was literally like, they won I the think it off. was Line A skated down with the puck yeah. and put it in, and like, that was game over, yeah, they and it the was the weirdest. The play. It was the weirdest sensation to be a part of because everyone simultaneously was just kind of like, "Well, 
Bye. Like, all right. There yeah. Was, there was no, <laughs> like, yeah. There was no agony from no. the crowd at all. Like, you normally hear people go, oh, yeah. it was just everyone stood up. No oh, angry. It's like, oh, out. look at that. <laughs> look at what just happened. Uh, so that was a weird game to be at. Final signing Boston Bruins uh, signed David Pasternak finally for six years at $6.67 million, which. Mostly to me, just makes Vladimir Tarasenko's contract look so so good. Um, not that David Pasternak doesn't have. Top, I don't think he has quite that top end potential, but like we're we're paying Vladimir Tarasenko barely more than they're paying David Pasternak at the same age. Um, he put up seventy points last year, thirty four goals, thirty six assists. He's obviously a very good player. Um, he played an average of 18 minutes on the ice, uh, face-off percentage of 66.7 because he took three and one two. <laughs> so uh, great player. I mean, I love David Pasternak. I was, like, secretly hoping that we could trade for him. Obviously couldn't. He's from the Czech Republic, which for some reason surprised me just looking at it, but makes sense. <laughs> uh, this is a good signing, I think, but it's – a good signing that makes the Vladimir Tarasenko signing look even better to me. We talked about last week how great that was. Uh, do you have anything to add on this? Not really, just in a vacuum. Yeah, if you kind of table all those old contracts, it still looks really good, especially in the McDavid, the post-McDavid era contracts. Yeah. Uh, you know, a little under half of what McDavid's making, not that he's close to being that great of a player, but he's still very, very good, and it's one of those things, too, where if they, I don't know, if they hadn't signed him, or I don't know what happens to RFAs, things like that, it would have been terrible. Like, that, the Bruins are not a deep team, and they need that at least star on the team, aside from Bergeron and... Uh, Krejci, to yeah, some Krejci, extent. Yeah, yeah. Marchand. Marchand. So, okay, you named but, three, but... It's but, like, that's, but those are all, like... Stars, but they're not superstars, sort mm-hmm. of thing, you know. Bergeron, maybe a little more, but like, I wouldn't put those guys on the Tarasenko level to talk about a home guy, and they're certainly not on the Ovechkin. Without Pasternak, they level. just don't feel nearly as dangerous. Yeah, this is a team. Unless there's a big salary cap expansion coming up, which there probably isn't, it's probably a restriction. This is a team that feels like really top-heavy in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like, they just don't have anything under these guys unless got, they draft and develop really well. You got David Backus for four more years. Yeah. Wow, that's looking worse and worse. Um, <laughs> that I could see... I don't want to say it because I love Backus, but I could see that being a buyout situation in a year or two because mm. I just don't know if his body will hold up long enough to make that even palatable in a couple Feasible of years. Feasible for them to ice him. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last bit of NHL news is this new face-off rule that we've seen implemented in the preseason, which is very unpopular. Basically, it's a two-minute minor now if you uh, cheat at all on the face-off, which, of course, is still going to be subject to... Um, Whatever the linesman sees. Yeah, subject to interpretation. Um, it's not a good rule. It's the opposite of a good rule. It's uh, a bad rule. It slows the <laughs> game down a lot. And that's the worst part. This is this is not going to fly in the playoffs. Like this just won't happen in the playoffs. There's no way. Uh, David or not David Krejci, Brad Marchand, who we just talked about, uh, who's no, no stranger to pushing the limits of the rules. To be fair, but he <laughs> Good said <for> him. <laughs> this face-off rule is an absolute joke. That's how you ruin the game of hockey. Harsh words. They're going to have to do something about that because we can't play this year like that. This is something. I said this in a conspiratorial way before, jokingly. I won't mention that again, but <laughs> this is something that's, like, I see this league hurtling towards another lockout, and this is just another, like, a hurdle to get mm-hmm. there. You know, like, it's just another thing. And it's, a, like, a minor thing, you think about it, but, like, they're changing what the player's allowed to do and how they're allowed to play the game, which, for certain players, means they're making them lose money. You know, like, if you're a, a Vladimir Sabotka, where your marketable skill is winning a lot of face-offs, this could hurt your pocketbook, you know? I mean, not Sabotka so much, because he's got the contract now, but similar guys and 
I don't know. It just seems like a really bad rule. <laughs> well, two things. I think they implement it because they're like, we can give uh, more power plays to teams, and that's exciting, or so they think. Mm-hmm. And that is fun sparingly. I think power play is kind of like candy or dessert or something where it's like if it's all the time it's really not that exciting anymore you've taken the luster away and they're yeah. trying they're trying to upscoring that way um and two i don't know if it sticks as hard past the preseason it seems like a lot of times in the preseason just like players or teams are trying out different players mm-hmm. the league is just trying like let's see how if we can crack down on this and see if it you know it works yeah. or if it flies so maybe they lessen up on it. You gotta hope it's been like fifteen penalties in a game or more total. It just slows the game down. It's yeah. You're asking players. Gross. To, <laughs> yeah, you're asking players to play super differently, which I get as an adjustment period. But the other thing too, and I always think of um, the the bike rider uh, Armstrong. 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 Lance. Lance Armstrong. Not to not, be confused not Neil. with Bill or, or Neil. Doug or yeah, Neil. See, there you go. Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Being like, you know, everybody cheats, you know, I just, you know, cheated better or whatever he said. More Great or less. Defense. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of feel like that for face offs. That's actually true in this, yeah. A little bit for face offs where it's like, okay, you get a little uh, stick whacking here and there or whatever. It when happens. you're down there, yeah. you're kind of moving in on the hash marks a little. And I'm kind of like, if that's what it takes, then you should start practicing that too. Like, people, I think it was two playoffs ago. Someone on the Sharks was moaning about Crosby cheating on faceoffs, and I was like, I don't know, go beat him. I, I don't weren't, know. Weren't the Wild moaning about that with us or yeah. vice versa this year, too? I mean, it happens, but just do it better, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem that big a deal. Yeah, um, I think you're right about this could be something that's phased out in the season, and I, I can't can only hope. see it be a fin- being um, implemented in the playoffs. But uh, to me, I think if you're going to – if you're going to implement rules like this, and we talked about the um, coach's challenge rule a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. maybe make a one-minute minor or like a super minor or whatever you want to call super it. Like, minor. If you're going to penalize this, fine, but you cannot – you can't enforce this the same way as a high sticking. Like, there's got to be. That's that's exactly it. So if you punch a dude in the face, it's like a two minutes for yeah. roughing. But you like got a little closer on the hash marks. They go, that's two minutes. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you want to, like, if you want to create more opportunities, I don't know. Like, give them and create a situation where a team enters the zone queen with a puck. I don't know. If you want to create more sto- scoring opportunities, get interesting with other mm-hmm. rules too. Don't just be like, "Well, we're going to make more penalties at a two-minute mm-hmm. minor." It's just it doesn't. You want to see McDavid's go down the ice and score on like a rush. You don't want to see it like on yeah. just some setup where right. you're just moving people in and out. Right, exactly. So that seems silly and we'll see how that develops. We'll track it and talk about it more. So that wraps up the NHL news of the evening, but there's a lot of Blues news to talk about. Uh, the first bit of news, which actually broke earlier today, uh, is kind of cool. The Blues have a new senior consultant to hockey operations. Who knows what that means? Uh, which is a made-up <laughs> title for an old guy we're paying money to be around the place, basically. Um, <laughs> that sounds like he's a janitor. <laughs> just kind of be there and yeah, look after Just kind of show up. Uh, his name is Larry Robinson, and he is a nine-time Stanley Cup winner, which reminds me of that scene from Ferris Bueller where he's like, "She's your son's been absent nine times. Nine. And she's like, nine times? <laughs> Seems impossible. But yes, he won six as a player. Uh, he played most of his career from 1972 to 1992. Well, he played all of his career during those years. <laughs> he played most of that time for the Montreal Canadiens, who won six ungodly Stanley Cups during that time, including a couple over us. No, that was already past that. God, they, oh, they that, won was so many that was the late 60s. Um, and then he finished up a few years with the L.A. Kings. Uh, well, he became head coach of the Kings in 95, and after he'd been a, an assistant in New Jersey for a while, and then he returned to New Jersey in 99 as a head coach. He won a cup in his first year with the Kings in 95, which I think was the last year they won it. Well, not the Kings. Before, uh, 
Well, before they won it most recently, right? No, that was the first. 2012 was the first time they've ever won. Oh, then I read something wrong because obviously you're right, which I remember <laughs> now. So this is goes in my one blunder of every podcast. All these moment. stats are wrong. Um, <laughs> no, they've but, all been right. Then he won uh, more impressively three with the uh, with the other team. The New Jersey Devils, thank you. My brain has just gone off the rails. He won two with the New Jersey Devils, and I'm going to figure out this 95 thing. He won in 2000, <laughs> 2000 and 2003 with the Devils, mostly with Martin Brodeur. And, Thanks, uh, Marty. <laughs> he went to the finals in 2001 and 2012. So this article from the... St. Louis Blues does say he won the Stanley Cup in 1995, and I guess that means he was an assistant coach with the Devils, and what they're saying is the year that ended in 95, he won there, and then he took over as the head coach of the Kings in 95 and 96. So that's where I misread it and mistook things, although I will say they wrote the article poorly. (laughs) (laughs) So, boo on you, St. Louis Blues press release. He has 958 career points, which puts him ninth all-time for scoring a month defenseman. And he is tied with Chris Chelios for seventh all-time, I think, in playoff points, although I did not remember to write that down. He won a Norris Trophy in 1977 and 1980, as well as a Conn Smythe Trophy, uh, I think, in 1978. He is the all-time NHL leader in plus minus at plus 730 and he also has the second highest single season at plus 120 he was a two-time gold medal winner with canada a 1996 hockey hall of famer and on january 27th of this year he was named one of the top 100 greatest players in nhl history this was a situation where (laughs) I read the press release earlier. I didn't even read the press release. I just saw the headline on my phone while I was at work. I was like, cool, they signed some guy that won a lot of Stanley Cups. And I figured it was like, oh, he was a trainer for seven Stanley Cup teams and, like, you know, a a minor league coach for two others or something. I didn't know the name right away. But I'm really excited to have this guy on board, honestly. (laughs) Like, not that having him converts to Stanley Cup wins, but... He's super decorated. Yeah, Holy cow. I mean, nobody could possibly. You can't know more about hockey than a guy that was like a Hall of Fame defenseman, <laughs> a four-time Stanley Cup going head coach, and a winner as an assistant coach, sort of thing. I hope this know? guy does absolutely nothing. Yeah, they're like, ask him, <laughs> like, like Larry, we don't even Larry, what do you think? Like, nah. what should we do? And he's like, whatever. And just like rolls over. <laughs> when Armstrong was talking about who this guy could help, he he's very he's like going through groups of people. He's like, he'll help the assistant coaches. He'll help our head coach of course he's gonna help the front office uh he can help pareko which i was like the, he didn't name any players he just goes pareko pareko needs so a lot i guess of he work. needs yeah i guess colton needs the most work but no I, th- I think as a point scoring defenseman probably a lot of what they're talking about um great i mean i'm sure it's you know there's no risk here in any mm-hmm. sense whatever hundred thousand dollars they paid him but great i'm glad to have this guy on board uh, so that'll be interesting to follow and see if he has any, you know, impact, any visible impact on the team going forward. They can blame him when they lose. Yes. <laughs> so our next thing to discuss is the Ian Peters segment of the show, which is good because I've talked too much. Uh, Ian, you got to go to the uh, season ticket holder event this Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? Yeah, it was past Tuesday. And uh, they had people inside they debuted some of the new uh renovations were finished with one year one Mm -hmm. stage one of a two year three stage renovation um so i guess we're not quite finished with year one technically (laughs) but um got to see the new renovations got to do some like raw raw sort of pep rally stuff what did you think of the night and what did you see about the renovations it was really cool it's kind of odd going into the scott trade center for something that is both not a hockey game or a concert. <laughs> you're just kind of milling about with a bunch of other people. Like, huh, like Darren we? Pang's there, but yeah. you're like, oh, look. Oh, yeah. No, they had people, as a real quick aside, 
when I were to ever get an autograph from somebody, I feel more appropriate, actually, if I see them outside uh-huh. walking around Deerberg's, where I'd feel more appropriate to walk up and be like, hey, can I get your autograph? You was, know, love you or whatever. Was Rutherford there? Was he signing uh, autographs? I, I don't so, think so. As an aside to your oh, no. aside, I, I work at the... I, I work with a vending machine company, so I go to different places for the time being. Hopefully that's a short-term gig, but one of the locations I stop at, there's a, a Russian guy there. He's got a thick Russian accent, but he's a heavy blues fan, and he knows I'm a blues fan, and so we talk about it a lot. And he was telling me he went to the event last night, too, and he talked about some blue, some guy that written a book about the blues that was signing autographs, and I well, thought it might be there. Rutherford because of the you know, hundred... Mm-hmm things to know about the boys but anyway sorry go on oh all i was gonna say was that i feel more appropriate there than if you were to stand in a line uh-huh. that they set up and the guy <laughs> knows he's gonna sign but it feels kind of like you're walking by like a caged animal yeah i feel bad anyways i saw like i saw someone someone signing autographs it was like terry ache or somebody and i was like poor terry <laughs> but uh, all that aside um you also no. have to find a hockey puck to sign oh yeah weird they were giving yeah. away some stuff okay. some free stuff okay. um you got to go in the store you could see like the new jerseys and everything mm-hmm. with the white numbers it was the pretty new cool jerseys. yeah well so the old jersey in the store had screen print, well, maybe not screen print, but glued on stuff. Mm-hmm. The new jerseys that are in there, the new new ones, are stitched on. So I'm oh, a big cool. jersey snob, so that's pretty cool. But they, you got to see the inside of the rink, which seems a lot brighter. I think they said they're doing like LED lighting or something. It yeah, was pretty neat I in there. Tell. But the biggest deal is when you walk out of those tunnels, man, does that new uh, Jumbotron feel like it's sitting on top of you. And in a good way, but you walk out and you're so used to that same one they've had since I'm pretty sure the beginning. The tiny one? Yeah. yeah. And you're like, holy cow, this looks huge. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. It's awesome. My dad and I stood there for a little while watching people walk in from the tunnel, even though we already had, just to see people look up and go, oh my god. <laughs> that was so funny. That's awesome. But uh, I've heard I heard from that same guy, I don't You'd have mm-hmm. to fact track that it's the second biggest in the league now or up there. Something close. I know they made a little funny aside how we were playing Dallas, and they're like, well, Dallas is, of course, bigger because they're in Texas and yada yada. Yeah. But um, you got to try Stupid some of the food Jerry stuff World there. That big thing. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> they had some of the food there uh, to try out. They had some, like, beef brisket burger and, like, pulled pork thing that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, when you got to sit down in the rink, they brought out, I think it was Bruce Affleck, who's like head of hockey operations, and he talked about the phases of everything, and you got to see a little time lapse of them putting in the new um, ice plant, which I guess will be really good for players. I have always feel like I hear at least once or twice a season someone just make kind of a little aside of like the ice around here gets a little choppy in the third period and kind of like side-eye somebody. And so, yeah, like... <laughs> you hear that. me, Craig Berube? <laughs> yeah, better, better fix that. So that should be good, um, good for the players. I think Pang made some comment about it. He's like, oh, this team's nothing but speed, and we need to use that new ice for our speed. Not like, true. That I is know. so not true. I wanted to be able to, like, raise your hand for things. <laughs> like a town hall, but I got a question. Excuse me. Yeah. Objection. I wanted to be, like, a Parks and Rec thing. Um, but, yeah, they brought out uh, John Kelly and Darren Pang, and they talked a little bit about the season. It was, it was really neat. He uh, Pang talked a lot about the different prospects he's seen and how they all seem really promising. And I know they always got to say that stuff, but they really did seem <laughs> genuine. Yeah. That, like, they were interested in, like, we had talked about a little earlier off air, that it's very, that's kind of, like, the breadth of, like, how many we have mm-hmm. of, like, decent prospects or good-looking prospects. It might not be upper-end, you know, talent or a huge And by good-looking, you mean physically. Oh, right? oh like, just specimens. Yeah. <laughs> just Jake Waldman is a knockout. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> A few of those, I looked at a few of their pictures, are not lookers. But you know what? When you're a hockey player, what am I doing? I'm yeah. sure be knocking. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a really I cool event it. overall. It's my fault. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. It was really neat. I think it's like anyone that has a ticket package, because we only did like a 12-game dealio. But yeah, uh, it was just interesting to hear them like talk to you like, you're the real heart and soul of this team, season ticket people. Ouch. <laughs> I know. This is probably a thing they say I when take you... that person. <laughs> you preview it for free, and they go, look, the season ticket holders, we don't care about them. It's you. For you people, <laughs> we care about. But, yeah, it was a really neat thing. We stayed for a little bit. They showed the, uh, the I guess I'm assuming the whole of the Dallas game, the Blues-Dallas preseason game. 
and we stayed for like the first period just to check it out. That screen is super crisp. That's like high HD stuff. And then underneath they have two little screens kind of at an angle. Uh -huh. So if you're really close to the boards because you're super rich, yeah. or even just a player, you can still kind of look up and see what you're trying to look at. So I'm going to crane back. So, yeah, I'm more interested to see the changes next year when they supposedly... I think the biggest deal is they're taking out all the seats and replacing them. Mm -hmm. So that'll be cool. And then they're also, I think, adding like a permanent like sort of beer garden to the front to kind of make it uh, cool. a little minor, I don't know what you do, like, you know, Cardinals area, whatever they call it, Ballpark Village. Because uh -huh. I think it's supposed to be open year-round. So that's what's coming in the years to come? Yeah, something? yeah, that's supposed to be coming up, I think, at least next summer. All new seats. seats, you said, yeah. too? That's cool. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I feel like, I feel like the scoreboard's kind of the... The yeah, big that's thing the in a way, point. but like, yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. So yeah, you all get to see it in a couple. Weeks. And that's something that's. I mean, the whole thing is great for the area, too. Because oh, yeah. Sorry, they no go for it. They were like stump speech and hardcore about, and I'm with them on this 100 percent, anyways. And I don't know. It's not like we're voting for this uh -huh. like as a group, but how they would be like, you know, this is super necessary. For the community, mm -hmm. I think they're trying to turn turn anyone that was like, oh, you know, I don't like that they spent all this money. Yeah, because they were going on all on about how the Blues use Scott Trade for like forty percent of the whole year, so less than half, but they put in like five hundred million, you know, some insane number yeah. for something that they're technically not using for even half the time mm -hmm. of their own money, and so they were like, you know, this is a city-owned building; it gets us NCAA tournaments here. Uh, you know, between, like, I think wrestling and basketball and a bunch of other stuff. Um, you've got, like, a ton of concerts that are will be here that, I mean, if it's not up to code, they just won't show up. So they yeah. got to improve all this stuff. But I did think it was funny. It didn't hit me until, like, halfway through. I'm like, why do they keep talking about, like, all this other stuff? And I was like, oh, okay, you're trying to, like, win Money. me over. <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, but the truth is, especially, I mean, we... It's been old. It's been out of shape. And we have things that yeah, have been here perennially. Old. We've had a lot of final, not final four stuff necessarily, but a lot of the... Some round, yeah. Sweet NCAA 16. tournament, the wrestling championships, NCAA have been here a lot. The I guess we had the Frozen Four one year. Yeah, the Missouri Fowley Conference tournament is always here. I mean, you get concerts, you get WWE mm. wrestling events. You never get like USC events because why would they come to this yeah. arena? So like it's it's good to have that. And now like the the any concert that wanted to come here had the choice between crappy Scott Trade Center, crappier and for most <laughs> people like too big, worse yeah. former Edward Jones Dome, or you can play outside at Bush Stadium. Which is cool, but not always practical. Yeah, you know? hard winter, so, yeah. It's just great for the city and the area, and I'm glad mm -hmm. about that. And we should get MLS here next. But uh, Ding dong. <laughs> moving on, the Blues season has started officially with preseason. Let's see if this works. It didn't. Sad. I was going to play the sad trombone <laughs> from, uh, from Price is Right. So let's try this one more time, see if it wants to work. Oh, it's playing in the <laughs> other room. <laughs> it's connected to uh, to Bluetooth from my That, that was like very meta appropriate. Yeah, in a weird way. Here one more one more time cuz now we've put too much effort into it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's what we were going for. Uh, yeah, so the Blues have started their preseason and promptly lost half of their opening day roster. Jay Bomeister is out with a broken ankle. He'll be reevaluated in three weeks, at which point they will say, yep, still broken. Yeah, there's <laughs> no way. come back in several more weeks. Uh, I'm no bone I don't doctor, think <laughs> but that, that takes more than three weeks. I mean, I guess weeks. you could have a, like, a minor hairline true, thing, but yeah, I, I think it'll be longer than that. Uh, Zach Sanford, well, he's the big one. We'll skip him for now. Uh, <laughs> Alex Steen is out with a broken wrist, and he will also be reevaluated in three weeks, at which point they will also say come back and see us in three more weeks. And uh, I had written Sam Blaze down here in the bottom just to talk about him, but 
so he's not injured. But the big one, the, the big, don't forget on top of this that Patrick Bergwin's out for the first half of the year. He's not pre- back till like January, thing. yeah. Um, and then the big new injury is Zach Sanford, who, of course, the Blues got in the uh, Kevin Shattenkirk trade, is out five to six months with a dislocated shoulder that will need surgery. And just to be clear, a shoulder that uh, Dimitri Yaskin personally <laughs> dislocated for him because he'll be damned if Zach Sanford <laughs> has taken his roster. If spot. you watch the video of the hit, Yaskin barely bumps into him. I think it's more of him bracing it at the boards, but it's the weirdest thing. I'm like, uh-huh. that dislocated <laughs> your shoulder for five to six? Oh, it's boy. weird how dislocations can be... Let me pop that back in and get on the ice mm-hmm. to like, oh, you miss a whole season. Congratulations. Yeah. What kind of dislocation is um, this? The Steen and Bo Meester thing, we don't need to spend a lot of time on because they're fairly minor. They'll be back by November, you would think, mm-hmm. at the latest. And we have the depth, as we talked about, to replace those kind of guys. The Sanford one really sucks, I think, because... I, I said bluntly on the day, and I haven't really changed my opinion on this. I don't think we see Zach Sanford ever really in a Blues uniform. Like, we will. I'm not saying he'll never play again, mm. but I think Zach Sanford plays 50 career games for this team, maybe, because he's missing this whole season. He's kind of like, he hasn't. At no point did he kind of rise up above this group of upcoming prospects we have mm-hmm. anyway. And now he's rehabbing for a whole season while all these guys are passing him. So by the by the time he's healthy, Tage Thompson's probably going to be playing in the pros or very close. Um, you know, Jordan Cairo will be ready or very close. I mean, this is to say five to six months, Sanford might get the last month or two of this season which may mean that they haven't called those guys up yet just because the team isn't in the right spot to do that. But it looks like a situation to me where I just don't see what Zach Sanford's role is for this team. And I didn't really, like, this isn't a total change for me or anything. I didn't exactly know what role he was going to have coming into the year unless we forced him one. And now I feel like, (laughs) wow, we basically got a first-round pick for wait, well, we got half of Luke Shin for Kevin Shattenkirk, mm-hmm. and Braden that's not Shin. enough. Braden Shin, yeah, thank God. But if it Luke Shin, it would have been much worse. To uh, be fair, guns to the head. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Do you have comments on that? No, I, Similar I, I agree. Or? Samford to me feels kind of like I know Payarvi's played a lot with us more mm-hmm. than I would think. But he feels like a Payarvi thing. Where do you ever sit down and think like Payarvi's like a St. Louis Blue? No, he. Kind of no. just feels like a guy that plays in our team, <laughs> and that's kind of what Samford felt like he was going to yeah. sealing out at, max out at. So I don't, I don't wish you know an injury on anyone, but it is kind of nice that this opens up space for maybe a young guy to take something. But as we've said before, even if you're a young guy, a prospect, um, you still got to swim through what feels like a sea of bodies, sea of prospects. Yeah, yeah. Bo Bennett. Um, you got to go past him. You got to go past Yaskin. You have to drive down the freeway past his Chrysler Pacifica. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't heard, Bo Bennett rented a car for training camp, and it was a nice and shiny Chrysler Pacifica, which is a minivan, and he's gotten quite a bit of flack for it. <laughs> but I think that's exactly what he wanted. That's so That's what bonds you with your new team, I guess. I guess, yeah. But I'm hoping that maybe we'll steam out a little bit. And with Sanford out, that opens up some spots for guys like, we'll just say Sam Blaze, Sam Blay, Sam Blah. We're going to go hardcore with Blaze. We're just going to say Blaze till I hear otherwise. Unless, and maybe even still, if John Kelly insists, insists that it's some other way. I'm pretty sure it's Because I still to, yeah. say Varlamov. It's supposed to be Parise, but they say Parise. Yeah. So we're going hard, we're going hard and fast with Blaze. Hot and heavy, if you will. <laughs> Blaze being Blaze. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Sam Voyage was a, what, he was a fifth, sixth oh, round pick in late, 2014? A late sixth round pick. He was shrimpy, and he sprouted, like, a root of a terebinth, to the, to use a biblical word that nobody knows. A big, a big, I don't. A big old tree. A big old tree. Um, he... 
Yeah, he's a he's a big guy now, power forward. Really been impressive in camp mm. last year. He was pretty impressive. In he camp. stuck around to the last cuts, and this year even more so, and has been uh, doing well in the preseason. I think he's got a legit shot of making this roster with these injuries. Um, when guys like Rutherford are tweeting stuff out like he looks like he might have a legit chance at the roster, that's yeah. a pretty good chance. He uh, he would fit really well on that third line in that right wing spot that he mm-hmm. that we didn't really have a spot <laughs> for. Uh, again, competing with Bo Bennett and some other guys for that playing time. But when you lose Steen, somebody's got to bounce up to the second wing, second line, and. Um, same with, you know, Bergwin and Stanford. There's a lot of holes to fill right now. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, even if Steen's out for two weeks of the regular season, that's enough time for a young player. You can make They're not going to say, yeah. okay, we don't need Alex Steen anymore, but they could kick you might stick Dimitri around. Askin yeah. out or something. <laughs> no, but no offense to Dimitri, but, like, if you do well enough in two weeks, they're going to make a role for you, right? Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see which of those guys – takes over and we've talked plenty about our prospects in the past although boys has been kind of off that radar um it is probably blay like i know that and I just, it just grosses me out so i'm just you gonna say, say sam blay so this is a very this is like an ignorant american thing going on just in case you're french canadian and listening i apologize <laughs> i know i'm wrong i just don't care <laughs> it's like the, That's um, very american. <laughs> the american classic um <laughs> So at least we know. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we have two preseason games to talk about. We'll try to move through these fairly quickly because we ended up talking about everything else much longer. Uh, but we do have a lot of notes to kind of get through. Uh, preseason game one, which you caught some of on the jumbotron mm-hmm. at the new stadium or the old stadium, the new jumbotron. Uh, the Blues were in Dallas to play the Stars. The uh, starting lineups and line combinations were Steen, centered by Thomas, with Thompson on the other ring, Tage Thompson. The aforementioned Blay Blaze, uh, <laughs> maybe we should call him that. Blay Blaze, let it rip. Yeah. Uh, centering with Barbashev and Clem Costin on the right wing, which that's a cool line. McKirkin? I think it's Mc. Oh, God. I thought I had it, and I lost it. <laughs> Just like Wayne Gretzky. McEachran? Is it McEachran? No, it's not that. It's McEachran. That's what it is, McEachran. It doesn't look like McEachran, but it is. Yeah. Um, centering Savoka with him and Kairou on those right, and then Brodziak centering Megan on the left and Selman on the right. You have Jake Wallman and Todd, and Todd Bortuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Bortuzzo. Uh on the first pairing, Dunn and Prosser, second, Gunnarsson and Schmaltz on the third. Hutton was starting with Bennington backing him up. I almost wrote it down like that. So what were your kind of observations from this game that you caught more of than I did? By which I mean you caught any of it, and I did not. We can skip a lot of the scoring synopsis stuff. There there were a few things that were interesting. I know when... So, real quick, we can do... Uh, Megan scored, Costin scored, with assists from Blaze that and was, That was a good play, though. I want to say that was a really nice tic-tac-toe play from yeah. them. Yeah, that's good to see. Um, Yanmark scored for the Stars, and so did K. Mono. Man, if I can't pronounce our no-name prospects... How are you going to pronounce theirs? The Stars. Uh, Blaze scored on the power play. Now I'm, like, softening the Z at the end, so it's just kind of... (laughs) You can go Um, either way. Savoka and Thompson uh, put us up 3-2. Richie and Ben scored in the third period. Well, that's cheating if you put Ben in at the end. That's just like... Well, I mean, you played the whole I game, know. but yeah, you're just kind of like, <laughs> like Who cares? Uh, the, the Stars won 5-3 with a empty netter from Pitlick, uh, the best name in hockey. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. You were making points. I just thought I'd move through that oh, really quickly. Fabry was supposed to center the first line in that game, and they said... They said he stayed back and in St. Louis, but they said there wasn't any injury. And then I know in yesterday's game against Columbus, I think Yo admitted that they held him out because he was feeling a little sensitive with the, I guess, like, um, whatever you call it. What do you have, a knee injury? EMS. 
No. no. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had an ACL, I think. I think they were talking about scar tissue, okay. possibly hurting them a little bit, so they held him back. But ACL, anyways, PMS, what's the difference? <laughs> They're all letters to me. <laughs> but um, Barbershev and Kostin and Blaze all had really good chemistry from what I saw. All them Russians and, and Sam Boys, who's not Russian. Uh, there's another Blaze comment. See, if he doesn't make it, we're just screwed. <laughs> but uh, Yo said of Blaze that he's really put himself on the map here, and he's in the conversation to push for a spot. And that's from your head coach, so that's pretty good. Um, we talked a little bit about all these penalties um, for the face-offs, but there was 19 minor penalties in total called in this game. I think they're trying to crack down a lot of slashing calls. I know that, even though it's annoying, that does speed the game up, at least mm-hmm. that it teaches players not to slash. But sure. I know that some of the slashes they've called from different players have complained that I think Petrangelo had a comment about how he thought it was fine that they were calling slashing because you don't want to hurt a guy. But there were a few uh, one-handed sticks just coming up around guys' pants, and they were like, that's a slash. And so that's a little rough. That stuff I do trust will yeah, you gotta hope. narrow it's, as the season goes on. But yeah, so um, You can't just constantly stop the game. <laughs> that's what I mean. It's, that's how these preseason games have felt. They've been really kind of hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. But um, Thompson looked really good. I thought he looked... It's, it's always hard to tell with him only because he looks really good, and half of that, I think, is because he's just as tall as any other human man out there mm-hmm. at, like, 6'5". So, I mean, he does look good skill-wise, but you also he doesn't look out of place size-wise either. Yeah. Um, Blues only won 39% of the face-offs, but we kind of mentioned with Ben being out there, they had a lot of their uh, regulars out there. I mean, it's at home. You kind of like to ice a really kind of half-nice-looking team. Mm-hmm. So that kind of is going to end up happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is uh, that is one area where we need to really improve this season is on the face-off circle. Mm-hmm. The trick to that, which I don't think we seem to... Cheating. <laughs> <laughs> no, th- I mean, I don't think we seem to be committing to this, which bothers me, but the trick to that is having centers play at center, mm-hmm. especially Saboka, who we thought we brought back mostly because of that skill. And then didn't play center. Um, and Stastny only plays center when he's healthy, and he wins a lot. Um, and I think it's even like if you want to have a line that say Sabotka with Steen and I don't know Bergwin when he's back healthy, whatever you know, whatever line you want to have. Even if you want Sabotka to play on the wing, just have him take the face off and then rotate out. You know, like mm. that's fine. You just need to have guys that can win face offs, and we don't have a lot of them. But, I mean, again, it's an, I'm not making mountains out of the 39% in a preseason game. I'm just saying we do know that's been something of a problem. So game two was hosting the Columbus Jackets, who got to be deafened by our new music and sound system. Do we have a, it came <laughs> oh, it's with a new, new sound, sound system, system yeah. I'm hoping that it comes with new music as well because the oh. Katy Perry and yeah, you can't do a top 40 chain anymore. smokers are starting to get a little old. Um, we should have more blues, probably, wouldn't you think? But anyway, uh, the lines this time were Magnus Payarvi and uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, who you've heard of, uh, being centered by mm-hmm. Paul Stastny. The Braden Shin gets to make his Blues debut centering Schwartz on the left and Sam Blaze on the right. Uh, Oscar Sunquist on the center with Bennett on the right and Dimitri Yaskin on the left. And Adam, Adam, yes, Musel centering yep. uh, Thorburn on the right and Alexei Torpchenko on the left. This sounds a little more like a team that you could like a ice. A regular team. A, yeah, <laughs> you know, like... Uh, Certainly, I mean, Payarvi wouldn't hopefully play on the top line, but at least like <laughs> more than half of the names are regulars. Um, Edmondson and Petrangelo uh, were the first pairing, and I think that's what we're going to see be the first pairing if Bortu- if uh, Bomeister was hurt. Yeah, that's In what fact, I think. when practice started before Bomeister was hurt, they were experimenting a lot with Edmondson and Petrangelo and Bomeister and Pareko. So it could be that that was the plan anyway. Hmm. Um We'll just get a longer look. But now, yeah, now we know for sure. Uh, Vince Dunn drew the terrible obligation of pairing with Colton Pareko. And Chris <laughs> Butler, who is our very own Chris Butler, who hasn't been replaced as Nate Prosser. With- <laughs> Chris Butler's our new Nate Prosser. 
Um, he was with uh, Mikola. Mikola. <laughs> and then Alan started with Billy Huso behind him. Uh, so scoring, Tarasenko just took this game over pretty much. He scored in the first period on the power play with an assist from Stasny. Uh, the Jackets put up two uh, by Zach Dalpy. Dalpy. I think it's Dalpy. Uh, <laughs> in the second period. Jaden Schwartz tied it in the second with a six shorthanded goal assisted by Shem. <laughs> was it a backhand, too? Because when I got the update on my phone, all it said was Jaden Schwartz 2 2 backhand. Oh, really? Capital Actually, I think the replay I saw it was more like he skated in, got hooked, and it was going to be a penalty on the whatever the Blue Jacket was, mm-hmm. anyways. And he kind of did the weird, like, skated into the goalie with the puck, and it yeah. kind of went between him and the skate and the pads and hey, just kind of went in. Yeah, yeah, who cares? I just wanted to see him like walk up to the goal. Oh, no, not even close to a regular then, backhand. <laughs> the game went into overtime, whereupon Vladimir Tarasenko promptly ended it with a sick little snipe over the left shoulder of the goalie, right shoulder of the goalie on the left side. Uh, assisted by Schwartz and Petrangelo, which sounds like an actual goal that could be scored mm-hmm. in the regular season instead of, you know, Blaze assisted by Costin and Payarvi or whatever. Uh, you don't know. I don't know. I mean, Costin <laughs> is on the team going oh God, into the no. season. So, uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on this game, which, again, you got to see, and I did not, because I was <laughs> interviewing for a job. <laughs> um you mentioned Shen. Shen looked pretty good at center. There wasn't anything. I guess it's... Is that Luke Shen? Braden Shen. <laughs> uh, he's kind of like a Gunnarsson sort of thing where I didn't really notice him like amazing at center, but I didn't notice him making any, you know, any errors either. So he looked fine. Uh, I feel like this is just going to be uh, two Blaze, no cups or something because <laughs> it's just nothing but Blaze. He looked really good. Blaze, Blaze, no cups. <laughs> yeah, just Blaze, Blaze, Blaze podcast. Or will it be Blaze, one cup? Oh, oh, that's the key. No, it's He's not. He's the no. Pavel Datsuk six-round pick that takes us to the promised this land. This guy is not Pavel Datsuk. <laughs> he is Pavel Datsuk, and you heard it, heard it here first. The hot takes. <laughs> um, he just looked really good again. He, I think the biggest thing for me is he looks like a regular NHL player, or he, he doesn't look like he stands out as a, like he's the prospect on his line or anything, but it's his shot that looks really good. Which, I don't know, for some reason that just, I feel like if you're a six-rounder, you make it by just being physical and the rest of you just kind of stinks. But, like, somehow the six-rounder shot developed and is great now. Well, I mean, he added, what she said, like six inches of height yeah. since he was drafted and, like, 50 pounds. Yeah, so. so that's a pretty big deal. Not, that probably not helps small a little. Rice. Um, no. So it's not a muffin shot either. No. It's a heavy NHL heavy. shot. That's Super good. Super heavy. Um, Throw all the cliches into one sentence. That's how I like to offer. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Just shove them all in there. Um, you were talking about face-offs and how you want us to be a little bit better. Um, Musil and Sunquist were really good for their face-offs, at least in this game, with um, Musil going 7 for 12 and Sunquist going 7 for 9, which was really good. And they played on the penalty kill together and looked like they did not look out of place at all. They're both definitely more of a third-line, fourth-line guys anyways. Um, I've seen a lot of people talk about how Musil could essentially just put on a Kyle Brodziak jersey and it would be the same. I think he's a little under the radar next to someone That's like... That's hurtful to both people. <laughs> I, I think, uh, That's somehow an insult to both. It's like, hey, Kyle Brodziak looks younger. Then. Yeah, it's like, Musil, you're just a young Kyle Brodziak. But to Kyle Brodziak, it's like, hey, we could throw your jersey on this prospect <laughs> nobody has ever heard of, and we wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> I, I'm struggling to find a way to apologize because it's just true. <laughs> no, I mean, I know you no, didn't yeah. say it, but no. yeah. But I think it's right. I mean, he's under the radar a bit with Blaze and I guess, you know, a Cairo or Thompson or somebody that's a little more offensively gifted. And um, Musil is just one of those guys that you need to draft. I mean, you need somewhere in your team. And you can normally find those third line, fourth line guys who are just trading around and stuff. But just kind of nice to develop one, too, because, mm-hmm. I don't know, one less thing to look for. But and then Huso came in at the end of the third period and stopped all nine shots he faced. He looked. From what I saw, really calm, collected, didn't seem like he had the jitters at all. I mean, yeah. he played some AHL last year, too, or all AHL, so yeah. he's kind of used to that game. The one thing that I did notice, and I always try and leave off, um, I don't know, cons to you know anyone's game, especially for uh, 
prospects is like, well, everyone kind of looks like crap <laughs> a little bit in the defensive zone. But I really like Vince Dunn from what I've seen. But man, last night Vince Dunn, you're gonna have stinkers, but that was a stinker of a game, and it kind of <laughs> it kind of stinks for someone who's a prospect who really wants yeah. to show how good they can be. Yeah. But he got walked a bunch in his own zone, and he looked really. I'm just gonna say confused without the puck, even anywhere in any zone. It just kind of looked like he didn't really know where to be. So I don't think that's typical of him, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is, it is now typical, (laughs) but it's it's not. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I think he's one of our higher ceiling prospects. You're gonna have bad games. Yeah, it's just gonna happen. It just happens. Well, I remember reading someone say he, you know, he needs to learn, you know, when to be able to step up in the offensive zone because he's kind of going a little too deep. But my counter is I really like Pareko a lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Pareko's a little too far in there. And so it's like you can learn that on the fly, or that's not the worst thing that can happen to you right. necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things we'll see, too, is we have a good mixture of experience and depth. So if you've got events done, he's making mistakes, you can prop him on a line mm-hmm. with an Edmondson or which I can't believe I just called Edmondson experienced. <laughs> it was weird Put watching him on a line play. with somebody who can be a little more of the bulwark and like take care of stuff. Watching know? Edmondson out there play was really interesting because I know maybe it's just one of those things where because he, he's surrounded by prospects, uh-huh. he looks that much more mature. Yeah. But looking at him, I was like, man, I can't believe this is his third year already. And he definitely looks like, I don't know, he never looked like a deer in the headlights. But he just looked a lot more poised out there. Mm-hmm. For someone where I always thought Pareko was kind of the poised one, maybe Edmondson was kind of the, I don't know, wild one. <laughs> uh, he also, I forget who he laid out, Jack Johnson. Now I've I got forgets, that dang yeah. wild one song stuck in my head, so thank you. But I forgot Jack Johnson was even a Blue Jacket, and he just laid him out, I think, like at least twice in that preseason game. Is he still a Blue game. Jacket? Yeah, he has no money. Is His he still back- bankrupt? <laughs> That was yeah, such never a give sad your parents story. money. They'll just steal it. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. that's one of the weirdest sports stories I've ever heard in my entire life. How do you look at those people and they go, like, do they just put their arms up and go, I don't know, we're sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea how you would get over that. Um, if you don't know this story, I guess in case you have missed this, Jack Johnson, who was once a very highly touted Young player. I mean, he's, he's been pretty good. good. Yeah, I'm he's kind of like an Eric Johnson, but he was Johnson. kind of the odd man out in a Los Angeles group that already had Drew Doughty and Jake Muzzin probably coming down their wings. Um, he got a lot of money being a young NHL player, and he gave it to his parents, who promptly spent it all and bankrupted him and put him in a lot of debt. Cool. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, one of the weird stories. That happens. Yeah. But it sucks to think about. I'm sure he'll like make more. I'm sure he'll ultimately be mm-hmm. fine. But like, man, that's a crappy situation for sure. Here's a poor transition, but something that's also <laughs> weird. Speaking of yeah. dot dot dot, something that's also weird like that is this was just like last summer. Was it last last summer when we uh, Troy Brower left? We traded Elliot. Uh, we lost Bacchus or let him walk, and it just kind of felt like to me I. Still thought this team was going to be good, but it just kind of felt weird. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, what's this team's future? I have, like, zero idea, <laughs> and I don't know what's going on. And while it's still not completely clear, it's, like, so much brighter than oh I gosh, thought yeah. we even had in our wings at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on and a happier note to end on is I think, like, man, when, when Brower and Backus left in, like, five minutes of each other. <laughs> I mean, it was just, yeah. Ugh. Your thought is, my thought certainly was, well, this is Blue's tradition, mm-hmm. is you build a team and you make one final failed run <laughs> for the Stanley Cup, and then the team falls apart and you rebuild. Just to do it again. And then you try again, and then you do it again. Like, you yeah. could repeat the same process, right? I mean, we had... That with some of the teams in the 2000s that I don't know how we possibly didn't win a Stanley Cup. They were so good. But, um, yeah, so when those guys leave and Perron is the answer, no offense to Perron. That's what, yeah. Like, I wouldn't be upset at all if Perron even came back now sort of thing. Let's be honest. It felt really off. It felt like a slap in the face and, like, also just, like, turning back time but not very well of like hey remember when we had this guy and just yeah. forget about it. also Alex Dean is extended like it was a big it was a moment where you're like oh boy this isn't good it felt like we were trying to get yeah, almost the wrong direction. done 
we don't know what the future is. I don't think Yo was lined up yet. Yeah. And now a year later, I mean, a little more than a year later, you look at this team and I, I don't like, I, I'm never going to believe the Blues will win the Stanley Cup. They could be up by six goals in game four with a 3-0 lead in the third period, and I'll still be like, wait till it's over. Yeah, oh no, for <laughs> but, sure. <laughs> but, um, oh, it's so sad. Uh, but... Man, I just like I. We look so positioned, and all credit to Bill and Doug Armstrong, who I've been hard on Doug a little bit in the last few years. But like, we seem to be in such a good position with that mixture of like top level talent, like mm-hmm. Petrangelo, Tarasenko, to some extent Schwartz and Sassny, those kind of guys. Middle level experience depth with Steen and Bergwin, Bo Meester, those kinds of guys, and then so much young talent. If even one of these guys, like, well, it, let's say even two of them, like a Costin and a Thomas or a um, Tage Thompson or even like a Blazer Torpchenko, one of those lower level guys, if any of those guys really make it as like a top six impact player in the NHL. We're going to be, like, a hellacious team to deal with, <laughs> if not Stanley Cup champions for, like, a while, mm-hmm. you know. And and like we said about the Tarasenko contract, we're positioned in a great way with our contract where that's not going to be an immediate issue. Mm-hmm. Even though we've always been flirting with the salary cap for many years now, we're still in a really great spot in a certain yeah. way. We don't have any clunker contracts, and we've got really good contracts going forward. So It makes you feel good about even just, like, say, next summer's draft. Yeah. Where you're already just, I know, at least for me, I've sort of been able to rest, you know, put my worries to rest and feel at ease. I'm like, you know what, Bill Armstrong and his group are going to, like, find somebody in this draft that's going to be good, even if we're drafting, you know, 25th or something. It's going to be someone we need and we can use. Because thus far, even though all these guys haven't made it quite yet, mm-hmm. it just feels like they're able to kind of dig some of these guys out of there. Yeah. And while we currently don't have a first-round pick in next year's draft, I've got this weird feeling that we will somehow. We'll I don't get know. One some- I mean, if we could get one for Reeves, we'll find a way to get a first round. <laughs> That's true. If we can get one for Reeves, good God, we <laughs> yeah. should be able to trade anybody. Uh, I mean, I just heard an interview with Armstrong where he talked about the importance of having, keeping, and finding draft picks. So I get the feeling, whether it's a you know a Steen trade or something, maybe give me two seconds or something at least in this what's supposed to be a really deep draft coming up. Yeah, but yeah, whatever the case may be, even if we don't have a first. I have confidence that Bill Armstrong can find great talent in the second, mm-hmm. trade up in the second, find great talent in the third and fourth. Like, we've been doing it, and it's weird because we hadn't always done that, and it feels very refreshing, I mm-hmm. guess. You know, it feels like we're in a really good position. And I'm more excited. I mean, part of it's that we're doing a podcast, obviously, but I'm more excited to watch Blues hockey right now than I have been in a long time. Just because I'm so excited to see who becomes what and what happens and what chips fall. I feel like there are going to be interesting storylines every game, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like two weeks now, and real hockey starts pretty yes. much. So we've got that coming up. And on that happy note, uh, we'll leave you lovely people for the evening. Uh, we have next week uh, a podcast about more preseason like games. five games between yeah. now and then. So uh, I think probably split squads and stuff like yeah. that. The game and is that Hockeyville game during that time? And yeah, the, that's on. That's the like KC on KC game is probably during that time. So yeah, I think that uh, Hockeyville one's going to be like on TV. Like we'll have to watch that together. But um, yeah, that'll be it'll be a cool week, and we'll, I'm sure we'll have some. I'm sure some blues player will be severed and in more half. injuries, yeah. and and hopefully another fun topic to talk about. So until then, thanks for listening, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you later. See you later. Bye.